New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thank you for listening in. Uh, We are in our Advent series, and what we're doing is we're just preparing our hearts to receive at Christmas. The Christmas season can be crazy, it can be busy, and it can stifle our souls. But what we want to do is we want to prepare our hearts to remember the meaning of Christmas and to receive all that God has for us in this season. Hello, everybody. I'm James. You see with the worship team reading from Matthew. Um, first chapter 18 through 25. Can y'all stand for the reading of the word? And it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you've promised that you would do. God, we believe that you're the creator of all things, that you sent Jesus to redeem all things, and that you sent us the Holy Spirit as our guiding light. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, you can take a seat. Uh, If you're new to our community, my name is Bronson. Uh, I'm one of the leaders, one of the pastors here. And you're joining us in a great season. We're in the season of Advent. Um, And so before we jump into it, I just want to give you a few things, just a a recommended resource, recommended reading. Uh, If you're a reader and you're looking for a book in this season, uh, Hidden Christmas is a great book. It's by Tim Keller, and uh, he goes through the meaning and things like that in Christmas, so I think that's a great read. Uh, Next, I want to give you kind of a thesis of where we're headed and what we're going to talk about. Um, This is the general thesis I'm going to be working off of, is that Jesus brings peace. Everyone say peace in the midst of our pain, and promises to be with us through the chaos of life. Can anyone relate to that? Um, Advent is the season when we prepare our hearts to receive Jesus at Christmas. But what happens in our culture is we get done with Thanksgiving, and we're ready for presents. Amen? Like, we get done with Thanksgiving, we're ready for joy, we're ready for family time, all those different things. And honestly, now it's more like we get done with Halloween, and now we're ready for Christmas. But what Advent is, is Advent is a season of tension. It's a season where we really look at our hearts, we really look at our lives, and we remember what Jesus has done, right? Which he came as peace, and he came as hope. But we're now living in the, what, what theologians would call the already, but not yet, okay? Like, the, the hope of Jesus has come, but the fullness of what he has promised hasn't come yet, right? So he came in the beginning uh, as a baby, as a helpless baby, which is just crazy to think about, 
right, to come and to be uh, the life, to live the life that we couldn't live. And, and one person said, uh, he is God who came in flesh and walked among us not to bring judgment, but to bear it, right? And we're in the tension between him coming and him coming again. And so what we're doing is we're in a season where we're just really looking and being honest about the brokenness that we all feel. Can I get an amen, somebody? And trying to figure out where is God in that? Um, last week, we talked about Jesus as what? Anybody remember? A tin of fudge, if you remember. Anybody? The light. The young adults got it. Jalen, way to go. I don't even have to look. I know those dulcet tones anywhere. Um, last week, we talked about, did I get it right? Did I get it? Yeah, I did. Uh, we talked about Jesus as the light. And the reality is, is that we all have false guides in life, right? We, we have things that we follow that promise to bring us life, but in the end, they actually lead us deeper into death. And how Jesus is the true light of the world who leads us into life. I said it before, but he's God who came in flesh and walked among us, not to bring judgment, but to bear it, not to judge the world, but to be judged by us. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. A crowd not unlike us, judged the judge. And he actually took their indictment and he took the punishment that we put on him uh, because he came not to condemn us, but to save us. He's the one who filled the righteous void that we could never have filled with his own life and died under, God, under the weight of God's wrath. He lived a life of complete righteousness, but died under God's judgment so that you and I who have lived a life of sin can live in God's mercy. The gift of Jesus means hope for our futures, peace for our past, joy for our presence, and light for our path. Here's the question that I posed last week, and I think it's worth asking again. If they missed Jesus when he came and walked among them, is it possible that even as he moves among us, that we could miss him? What are the things that cause us to miss him? I believe it's distractions, right? Often we're not missing him for bad things. We're missing him for good things that are distracting us from the best thing. Good things that make promises of peace that can never fulfill their promises, right? Like they give us peace for a moment, but it doesn't last. They can't follow through on their promises. So what we're doing together is we're critically examining our sources, our sources of hope, of joy, of light, in this week of peace, and we're seeking to recapture our imagination around the original meaning of Christmas. So, here's a question. What are our sources? What do we look to to fill the voids of our lives? The voids of hope when we feel hopeless, the voids of joy when we feel down, the voids of light when we feel lost, and the voids of peace when the storms of life rage. Have you ever received news that just changed your world? Like maybe you got accepted into that school that you had no business getting accepted into, but somehow you got the letter. Maybe when you got that job that you just didn't think you were going to get, you applied, you hoped you'd get it, you didn't think you were going to get it. Maybe when your girlfriend actually said yes when you proposed, you were shocked, right? She said yes. Maybe when you found out you were pregnant with twins, all of these things are amazing, 
And they immediately usher in hope and joy and excitement for the future. But what about getting news that rocks your world? That moment when you realize that your aging parents are beginning to fit, forget who they are and where they are. Or when your spouse walks in after a doctor's visit with that look on his or her face and is carrying the weight of devastating news. Or your boss tells you he has to make cuts and you didn't make the cut. This news doesn't bring joy or hope for the future. It brings devastation. It's a crushing blow to your world. It's as if all things have shattered and you have to pick back up the pieces and try to build something new. Your peace is destroyed and your world is in chaos. We have all either been there have been there, or one day will be there, right? This is the sobering reality of the brokenness of life. And this is the type of moment where we find Mary and Joseph. They were pledged to be married, but to Joseph's shock, his wife was pregnant, and the baby wasn't his. Could you imagine if this happened to you? You're pledged to be married, you haven't consummated, Yet, and you find out your, your soon-to-be wife is, is pregnant. Men, just enter into that. Like, just enter and think about how you would feel. Can you imagine the feelings of betrayal? Like, the heartache that you would feel? Can you imagine what would happen to the future life that you're planning together? It's crushed, right? It's It's ruined. Your world is thrown upside down. Now, women, put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second. <laughs> All right? <clears throat> like you missed your cycle, you know? And you're thinking like, I've got a wedding planning going on. I'm stressed, right? Like maybe I'm just a little bit off. And then the weeks go by and more weeks go by. And at some point you realize you're pregnant, and you, you start to panic, okay? And then an angel from God comes and says, you indeed are pregnant, and you're pregnant by God. <laughs> like, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and you're like, sure, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, what do you say? Then you've got to go tell your fiancé, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's God's baby, And you got to hope he's going to buy it, right? <clears throat> Imagine the pain. Just think about this. Think about what these two young people are going through. The pain and the fear and the feelings of just the world is in chaos. But what we're going to see in this text is that if we walk with God, he will shed brilliant, redeeming light and peace on confusing in chaotic and dark situations. He can shed light to help us get a glimpse of his plan. And in that glimpse, I believe we find peace. Let's dig into it. Point number one, God brings his peace in the midst of our pain. God brings his peace in the midst of our pain. Matthew 1, 19 through 20. says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what she has conceived is from the Holy Spirit. Y'all, Joseph is in real pain, all right, leading into this moment. And here's what we need to see. The text tells us that he is a good, godly man, that he wants to divorce her quietly. He doesn't want her to be publicly disgraced. First, a bit for the curious among us. Has anybody ever read this and been like, why would they be getting divorced when, when they haven't really gotten married yet? Anybody else? Because it's supposed to be the fiance. Like, usually we consummate pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, that's not something like we put off, right? Anybody else had that thought? Just me? Okay. Uh, a few of us. Uh, Jewish people would enter into a promise of marriage a year before they would move in together. And this would be a year year of preparation, but the full commitment had been made. And so what would be happening is the wife would be getting prepared. Usually they were between 13 and 14 years old. This was a different time and a different culture. And for them, this was a serious commitment. It wasn't just between the two people. It was between the two families, all right? This was a massive commitment and covenant. And even though they hadn't moved in together and they hadn't consummated, the only way out was adultery. And so here we see uh, Joseph had this reason for getting divorced, right? And so in this time, too, for for Jewish people in the Old Testament law, uh, they actually had the right to stone someone who committed adultery in this, but the Roman Empire had done away with a lot of the Jewish uh, death penalties. So in this moment, because of the shock and pain Joseph's going to divorce his wife. This is devastating, right? This is earth-shattering. This is pain, and this is chaos. It's crushing his world. All of his hopes with this person, all of his dreams for the future, gone. Joseph's world is broken. I can't help but wonder if there's any of us right now that have this kind of weight and pain. Deep hurt in your heart, in your life, You have dreams, maybe, that have been crushed, hopes that have been shattered, feelings that have been hurt, families that have been broken. Maybe it's a sickness or a diagnosis. Could be a divorce pending in your life or in your family. Could be addiction in yourself or someone around you. Could be just financial straits and strain. Here's a real question. How can Jesus bring peace in the middle of this level of pain. He's the only God. He's the only one who can say, I know exactly how you feel. I've been there too. But fear not, be at peace. Despite your pain, I have a plan. Jesus is the only God Uh, I think it was J.I. Packer said, he's the only one who had the courage to take his own medicine. He came in and he didn't just bring judgment, but he received it. He didn't just talk about or see chaos. He actually lived within it. He was betrayed by his friend. He was abandoned by his followers. He was persecuted by the people he was trying to help. He was judged unfairly by his own people and he was condemned to death by his government. How did Jesus endure all this and not crumble? How The answer for our peace is in the way he sought peace as he went through pain. What did Jesus do? He knew where to run when pain hit. And where did he run? 
he ran into his father's presence. He ran into prayer. He ran into worship. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus did everything right, and it still led him to a cross. He did everything right, and it still led him to, cru to crucifixion. Y'all, here's the truth. Running to God, I want to say this, does not mean that you will live a life void of pain. It means that you can have peace in your pain. It means that you can have purpose in your pain. It means that there's mission that can come out of your suffering. Y'all, suffering is a reality of life. I'm reading a book right now called Viktor Frankl, called Man's Search for Meaning. And what he does is he goes through, he was a Holocaust survivor. Talk about pain and suffering like none of us have ever seen. And what he discovered in this is that there were some people who had a deep commitment to who they were going to be. If you've ever seen photos of Holocaust survivors, it's such a deep commitment to who they were going to be. While they were starving to death, they were sharing their bread. That's a life of meaning. That's a life of purpose. It is through our pain that what's really in us, who we really are, gets revealed. You know, some of you guys are experiencing so much pain and so much hurt that maybe you've lost hope. And there's so much darkness in your soul that you just can't see the light. But I have a question. Where are you running in your times of pain? Are you running into God's presence? Or are you doing like all of us do? All of us do. Running to shopping, right? I don't even know why we do it, but we do it, right? If I just buy this thing, I'm going to feel better. No, I felt better for about three minutes, right? We run to sex. We run to substances. We throw ourselves into our careers looking for success. We throw ourselves into streaming, <laughs> just wasting away, numbing ourselves in front of the television. Yo, we all have alternative sources that if we think critically about them and we look at their long-term track record have proven to us that they are unable to give us lasting and sustaining peace. So here's my question for you. What do you run to for peace and how's it working? What do you run to for peace and how's it working out for you? You know, these other sources of peace actually bring relief. But relief doesn't last right? God promises to bring lasting peace and purpose. Release is when we forget about our pain for a moment. Peace is when our pain gets transformed. Relief is when we forget about our pain. Peace is when we recognize that despite our pain, God is still in control. God is still moving his purposes forward, and by his grace, we as Jesus followers get to be a part of it. I said it last week, he had the first word in creation. What did he say? He said, let there be light. He had the last word. He said that in his kingdom, he will be the radiance of light. There will be no darkness. There will be no night. But y'all, in our pain, he had the first word, and he'll have the last word. He can truly transform our pain. And y'all, true peace comes when we recognize that despite the chaos around us, and if we're really honest, within us, God is ultimately in control. God doesn't offer peace in the form of a way out of difficulty. That's a fallacy. God is peace 
in difficulty. We're going to experience difficulty, and we can go through it with him or without him. Tim Keller said this. He said, the peace of God is not the absence of fear. It is his presence in it. Isn't that beautiful? Wherever God is, there is peace. Point two, God brings purpose. Everybody say purpose. I think their screen says peace, but I changed it last minute. God brings purpose in the midst of our fears. Matthew 1, 20, second half of it. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, what? Do not be afraid. I love this, this opening, right? <laughs> Don't be afraid. I think it's twofold. I think one, an angel comes to you, that's terrifying, right? And it's like, don't be afraid. But also, I think if we want to think about a situation, this is a good start. What does he have to be afraid of? A lot, right? <clears throat> Let's say he stays in it, being ridiculed for keeping an adulterous wife. Let's say he, he keeps the child, being considered a sucker for raising someone else's child beloved child of an adulterous affair. So why does he open with do not be afraid? Because God is about to ask him to do something really difficult. He's going to say, raise the boy. Raise him as your own. Trust that he's from me. Accept him as your son. Name him. Joseph accepted this excitement from God despite the knowledge that ridicule would come. Have you ever thought about this? As Jesus walked and lived, there were people who knew this story and did not believe it. They lived under the constant shadow of this. You know, something that we may miss in this is that even in telling him what Jesus' name would be, he was inviting him to die to himself. In a patriarchal honor culture, Naming your son is a big deal. And the angel's saying, you're gonna, I want you to accept the boy, I want you to raise the boy, but I'm not even going to give you the dignity of naming him. Here's what his name is going to be. His name is going to be Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua, which we translate as Joshua. And so what he was saying is, I'm going to send you a greater Joshua. Joshua led the Israelites from the desert into the promised land. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, this new Joshua will come, and he will lead God's people out of the desert of sin and death and the darkness into the light of God's promise of hope and of peace and of fulfillment. He laid down his rights. Think about that. He laid down his rights, and he assigned the name the angel had told him. Joseph trusted God. He accepted his assignment. Question, what has God assigned you to do? And are you doing it? Y'all, so often we lack peace because we lack purpose. We lack peace because we don't know what we're doing here. And so we seek peace in all these places that can never bring it to us. But the reality is there's a God who loves you, who saved you, and who designed you not to leave you meandering through life, 
but to give you a godly destiny and purpose. Y'all, there is so much peace that comes when you do the thing you know to do, right? So what has God assigned for you to do? Let's give some simple things. Husbands, love your wives. Lay your, lay your life down for wives. Honor your husbands. Support him. Give him respect. Parents, teach your kids the story of God. These are things we know to do. You'll he, here are some truths. If we're not intentional to do the things that we know to do and to be formed in the image of Jesus, we're going to be formed, just not into his image. And the reality is, is that there's pain either direction, right? There's either the pain and discomfort of intentionality and planning, or there's the pain of regret. You know, in this season, this is such a good time to stir faith, to start new traditions, to dig into God's word. Listen, here's what I know. For a lot of you sitting there, you're like, I have not picked up my Bible in like a year plus, right? I'm not gonna judge you. I'm going to encourage you. Y'all, start something new. Jump into an Advent reading plan. Parents, listen. I know for some of you, you're going through life and you're just trying to survive. <laughs> Can I get an amen from some parents? It's going to be difficult. That's the biggest amen of the morning. It's going to be difficult. But I'm telling you, what you sacrifice and you sow into your kids the godly stories, the things that you tell them, you're just never gonna regret that. You know, as parents, we, we can read the story of Jesus. This is something that I'm starting to do. I realized we were reading a book to Georgia like, oh gosh. God? I learned something about this microphone. We were reading a story to, to Georgia like three weeks ago, and she kept finishing the lines and I'm like, she's memorized this book, right? It's three and a half. I'm like, okay, like I can start teaching her stuff, right? If she can memorize this, she can memorize other things. So like we've started the catechism. It's not going well, okay? <laughs> like, Georgia, who made you? Ruby made me. No, no. I don't know who Ruby is. God made you. <laughs> what else did God make? Uh, Ruby. It's like, well, yes, God made all things. Why did he make all things? Because he loves us, yes, but that's not the answer. It's for his glory. You know, like, we're going through these things. And it's honestly, can I be transparent? It's kind of annoying, right? <laughs> like, I'm not just like, oh, I'm so full of joy. My three-and-a-half-year-old is listening to every word I say and drinking it in and taking notes. She's not. But I know that if I'm consistent with this, it's going to shape her imagination around the world that we live in. It's going to help her understand what she's navigating and what she's going through, and it's going to help her in her life. Uh, I've been teaching her traditions. Do you, you all want me to teach you a tradition uh, this morning? The meaning behind our traditions. Y'all, there is so much meaning written into our world, but I found for me, I've spent most of my life missing it. So last week, I talked about, it was Christmas trees, right? We went through the meaning of Christmas trees. Let's, let's do the, the uh, Christmas wreath, if we could throw this up. Any just like mega nerds know what the meaning of the Christmas wreath is? Marius knows it. Germans. Germans came up with like all of our traditions. This is what I'm learning. <laughs> I hate admitting that in front of Maurice. Okay. So the Christmas wreath, uh, it originally came, and this is something that's just for free. It's not going to connect to the message much at all. This is something you can teach your kids. The Christmas wreath originally came from Roman culture. 
And the wreath was a symbol of victory. All right, so people would hang this on their houses to celebrate the victory of their nation. And so what Christians did is they captured this, and they said, okay, we're going to use this to celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus. It's in a circle because that represents eternal life. It's green because it represents the fact that we can be full of life through all of life's difficult circumstances. You have the pine cones on it. That represents the crown of thorns. You have the red berries. That represents the blood that was shed, the red ribbon, the blood that was shed so that we could have eternal life. You know, there is meaning woven all throughout our world. We just have to look for it. Amen? These are fun things that we can teach. Y'all, this is a great time to be intentional. Here's what I know. Some of you guys have grandkids. You can teach your grandkids this stuff. Some of you guys, you don't have kids. You can teach yourself this stuff, right? <laughs> and, and get yourself prepared. Because y'all, I'm going to say it again. We can either be shaped intentionally or unintentionally, but we're going to be shaped. We're going to be formed. And you can either have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, right? We all find peace in walking in God's purpose. Those are just some examples. I'm going to ask the question again. What's your assignment? Yo, I used to be seasons driven. What does that mean? I'm just in a season. Anybody ever said that? It means you hate your life. <laughs> right? That means I, that's Christian for I don't like what's happening right now, okay? But all of a sudden, I stopped thinking about it like seasons because I can't determine the seasons, right? God determines the seasons. All I can determine is what I do with the assignment he's given me within the season, amen? What's God assigned for you to do? Y'all, when we walk in God's call, we find purpose and we find peace. Some other things. God may be calling you to forgive someone who has done something utterly unforgivable to you. There's peace on the other side of that. God may be calling, to, calling you to serve others in the middle of your own pain. Y'all, yesterday we had Christmas Mall. A lot of you guys came out. It was so good. Uh, and I couldn't help but think, I wonder what people are going through. Like, I wonder what people are, are serving through. Y'all, as we serve through our pain, it brings peace. Do not be afraid, he said. God is with you. Yo, God is with you in situations that elicit fear and anxiety. He's with you. God is with you in situations where you don't know what to do and you don't know what the future is. He's with you. God is with you in situations where the future is dark and foggy at best and you don't know where to go and you're scared, but he's with you. Yo, here's a beautiful grace in the Bible. You know how many times it says fear not? Rick Warren's the one who, who discovered this and put this out. 365 times in our Bible, it says fear not. Yo, that is a grace for every day of the year. Amen? Fear not. Why? Because he's with us. Number three, we're going to close with this. God promises to be with us in the midst of our brokenness. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 21, it says, she'll give birth to a son, and you're giving the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So what we see here is Joseph, knew, Joseph did the best he knew how, and he got it wrong, right? Can anyone else relate? You're doing the best you could. And then at some point, either you got some wisdom or you started reading the word or you heard a message and you're like, I blew that. 
There's grace for that. All we can do is do the best we know how to do when it comes along and join in what God is doing. We look where God's working, we join him. So what's he doing? We talked about it earlier, how, <clears throat> how would you believe? Um, we talked about it earlier, how when we follow God, often we follow God into difficulty, right? What's he doing? The birth of Jesus was the beginning of an all-out assault on the brokenness of our world. You know, here's the reality about anytime you threaten someone or something that has power, it fights back, right? And so, you will as we go through this, as we build God's kingdom, as we say yes to the things he's doing, we're gonna experience a pushback. But I was listening, I was watching the... Uh, uh, hype trailer after the SEC championship game. Uh, and they had a clip from Kirby Smart. Who knows who that is? George's football coach. Um, and after the LSU game, they, they showed what he said to the team in pregame in the locker room. And he said, we're going to go out there and we're going to be a connected assault. Ooh, I love that. He said, we're going to be a connected assault, and we're going to hit them, and we're going to hit them, and we're going to hit them, and we're going to hit them until they break. And I couldn't help but think about the church. What God has called us to do is to link arms together as a priesthood of believers and take steps and hit them and hit them and hit them and continue God's assault on the broken systems and structures of our world in our own lives and the world around us to see his peace and his glory and his love go forward. Why? Because our world is full of brokenness. Y'all, let's close with these two ideas. One, we all have places where we run for peace. Simple question, how is where you're running working? Do you need a different place to run? Number two, it's through finding purpose and walking in that purpose that we actually experience peace in life. So question, what's your assignment? What's your purpose? Are you a part of God's rescue plan? Listen, I wanna tell you the truth. I said it a second ago, but we're called a priesthood. Everyone say priesthood of believers. We're a nation of priests. We're a people of priests. What does that mean? that God has not just called the pastors or the God squad, as they called them in my high school, <laughs> to do God's work, but all of those who call in the name of Jesus and say that they're Christians. And so here's what I want to submit to you. Until you find your place in building God's kingdom, you're not going to experience God's peace. So where do you find yourself? I think each one of us, if we're honest, have some bad sources of peace that we've been running to. If you're struggling with purpose, y'all, the best thing I can tell you, to do the things that you know to do and ask God in the places that you go what he's asking you to do. Amen? Is your peace working for you? If it's not, the steps are really simple. Number one, admit it. Admit it to yourself which is often the hardest part. And then admit it to God. Next, 
believe in your heart. That's, that's, that's what he came, that's what he lived for, that's what he died for. He knew you were gonna mess up. He chose you anyway. Isn't that mind-blowing? He knew you were gonna forget about him. He chose you anyway. He's patient. Accept his leading where he wants to take you. And the last thing you have to do is just walk with him. So admit it, believe it, accept it, and walk it out. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.